Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Okie dokie, we are off and running here on free agency morning in the NBA, recording this podcast about four, four and a half hours away from the start of the NBA free agency moratorium period, although we do hear about basically every deal as the period kicks off. So, plan for the day, based on all indications, is that I will have childcare coverage in the afternoon. So, what we're doing here on the podcast... This morning, I should say, I guess it's afternoon in most other time zones by the time you guys are listening to this, we're going to cover the Boston Celtics. I got to get through another team. Yes, it's that important because we still have the Heat and still have the Nuggets. Before we can even wrap up that part of the proceedings, and uh, we'll definitely have some free agency stuff that likely breaks things up before we get to those clubs. But after covering the Celtics on this morning or earlier day, I guess we could call it, edition of Fantasy NBA Today. By the way, this is Fantasy NBA Today. It's a sports ethos presentation. Welcome to the show, everybody. I'm Dan Vespers. Later on today, I would like to try to do, uh, if everything works out, it would be a breaking YouTube show. But I I didn't want to schedule it because, like, All indications are that we're going to get a bunch of news right at 3 o'clock Pacific time, but it's not guaranteed. I I spoke to someone who I met uh, just sort of at happenstance, Los Angeles type of thing, and he is very piped in on this NBA stuff, and he told me that most of the deals are done already, which, you know, he then also winked and kind of said, and it wasn't a wink, it was more of like a like a smirk that was like, tampering rules are stupid kind of smirk. Uh, it's all just... Anyway, so that, to me, said we'll probably get a bulk of news dropping right after the free agency period opens up. And honest to God, Shams usually hits something like 15 minutes early just to get somebody in trouble and... He's, in, he's on a little bit of an ego trip these days, but that's okay. We're getting our information. They'll let everybody else worry about that stuff. So I am expecting a bunch of things to come at 3 o'clock based on kind of reading between the lines on that quote that I got from a friend of mine. Uh, but we don't know for sure. So the plan for the day, we'll talk about the Celtics here on t- this morning episode. If indeed a bunch of stuff does drop at 3 o'clock or thereabouts, we'll fire up a live YouTube show that I will then put Port over here onto the traditional podcast channel so you guys that can't watch it live or can't watch it or choose not to watch it on YouTube, you'll still get access to it here on this podcast channel, but I might drop that either late at night or or first thing tomorrow morning or something like that. So uh, I want to make sure everybody gets access to everything. Let's dive in. The Boston Celtics. 
kind of a weird year. I would almost, I'd call it a disappointment, even though they were 32 games over 500 and had the second best record in basketball at 57 and 25. Regular season proved to be a little bit of a different monster than the playoffs. I feel like that's kind of the only way you can describe it. Boston, on sheer overwhelming talent alone, and of that, they have a lot. Jason Tatum is a top 10 player in the NBA. Jalen Brown is probably a top 20 player in the NBA. Derek White, wildly underrated. Brogdon's a top 50 player in the NBA. Al Horford still has, he still does what he does. Fantasy-wise, it's not as juicy as it used to be, but the Time Lord only played in half of the games this year. Boston's just a deep, good team. And so, and Marcus Smart, who's not on the team anymore, also solid at what he, good at what he does. And so they were able to just sort of overwhelm teams in the regular season with a superior offense. In fact, and I'm trying to remember back, but I'm pretty sure that Boston, over like the first six to eight weeks this year, had one of the most efficient offenses in the history of the NBA. I don't remember the exact makeup of that. I don't remember the exact number on it, but I do remember that Jason Tatum was shooting like 55% over that stretch, and you knew that wasn't going to stick because reality struck. But I don't want that to take away from him being very good. Actually, now I kind of want to see. All right, let's try to remind ourselves. It was like mid-October... To I probably should have looked this up before starting the pod, but whatever. We're just going to do it while we're talking. First, I was at 49% first seven weeks of the year. Maybe I have to go a little earlier than that. First four weeks. No, I guess it was only 48%. I don't know what I'm remembering there. Either way, he was number four in fantasy over that stretch, shooting 48% from the field. He was at 31 points, seven and a half rebounds, four assists, three and a half three-pointers, 2.3 defensive stats, Oh, he was at 1.4 blocks per game and 87% at the free throw line and almost nine attempts per ball game. What did he finish at for the year? 85% at the free throw line, not that much worse. 46.5% from the field, so that did come down. Blocks came came down considerably from 1.5 to 0.7. And so again, for a guy like Tatum, that's more what you expect. Blocks this year was a career high, but also minutes were a career high. So I think you could tie a lot of his bump in production to the fact that he played 20 or excuse me 37 minutes per ball game did have his most efficient shooting season 46 and a half percent from the field that's career high beating out the uh 72 game shortened season at 45 point now okay his, his rookie year he shot 47 and a half but he didn't do all that much that season and he three pointers have increased dramatically for Tatum which maybe that's something you want to consider about Bring it down a little bit? I don't know. It's fine. Floor spacing is fine, but dude was taking almost 10 threes a ball game. I'm getting a little sidetracked here, as per usual. Point is, Celtics got to the playoffs. They continued to be just good enough to overwhelm their first two opponents with talent. And when I say overwhelm, second round, it wasn't exactly an overwhelming. They were down three games to two. They won the last two. Then they got to Miami. They almost had enough talent to sleepwalk their way through that series, but he did end up beating them in seven when Tatum hurt his ankle and Malcolm Brogdon's arm was falling off and blah, blah, blah. What does that mean? Well, 
in what I guess you could call kind of a big surprise, the Celtics traded away Marcus Smart. Now, I know they got Kristaps Porzingis back in that deal, but Marcus Smart was, and you can ask anybody around the team, and the stories have certainly been coming out about it, he was that team's heartbeat. From a talent standpoint, the Celtics got better in their offseason trade. You don't turn down an opportunity to get the unicorn when it's only costing you your third, fourth best guy on your team. And that guy being Marcus Smart, I mean, this is, look, Smart averaged 11.6 assists and one and a half steals per game. Those are numbers that you look at and you're like, all right, these are repeatable. We still have Derek White, Brown, Tatum. Those guys are initiating a lot of the offense anyway. Malcolm Brogdon's still on the roster, although we know he's very much on the trade block. From just like a, a 35,000-foot view, Smart felt expendable, but from a like a two-foot view, when you're right up close and you're looking at what caused the Celtics their issues, it was that they relied so heavily on the three-pointer on offense that it kind of came and went with the breeze. And then defensively, they didn't have that same gravity of last year. And they traded away the guy that kind of made them the more serious basketball team. So we'll see how it shakes out. There's a there it it just the idea of a leadership vacuum does creep into my mind, which maybe isn't fair cuz Jalen Brown is among the players association leaders, but just from an on-floor like how do we keep this team from fracturing standpoint? Marcus Smart felt like he was that guy. Folks, picture this nightmare scenario. You're hosting friends for the big game. It's neck and neck in the fourth quarter, and suddenly you realize you're out of drinks. Ooh, say all of your friends. You start to sweat. Your friends turn on you. You're forced to go on a last-second drink run and end up missing the game-winning touchdown while in line. Oh, no. Terrifying, isn't it? Luckily, you can avoid the drama with Drizzly, the go-to app for drink delivery. With Drizzly, you can shop a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered right to your watch party. Compare prices across multiple stores in your area, find the best deals on game day drinks, and get back to armchair quarterbacking from, you guessed it, your armchair. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y.com today. Must be 21 plus, not available in all locations. Boston's going to have a painfully high season wins total number, and I'm probably going to take the under on it, but we'll get to that when we get to that. From a fantasy standpoint, and I want to pivot into that pretty quickly here because I, I, I prefer this. I'd like today's show to be only about 20 minutes, kind of save our strength for the potential live show for free agency coming up again, just like we're mere hours away now. Jason Tatum finished the season as number 11 on a per-game basis. He did play in 74 of the Celtics' 82 regular season games. So uh, once again, if you ignore the, the not the COVID-shortened season, but the actual bubble season, Tatum's been incredibly durable in his NBA career so far. Still a relatively young guy. And that has to be worth something. He was drafted kind of in that 6-7 range 
kind of knowing that he really didn't have a shot to get to that number on a per-game basis, but by totals, he beat it. He was number four by totals. That's a huge deal in any format. Roto, head-to-head, whatever. You want your top guy, even if they ever so slightly underperform their per-game number. I mean, number 11, if you draft him at six or seven, that's not going to hurt you. And when... If you get a first-round guy going in 90% of his team's games, that's a huge win. So Tatum was a really nice win. And then as far as going forward, uh, I mean, there's there's a chance that Porzingis kind of digs into the, the available shots a little bit. I find it pretty hard to believe that Tatum's number of field goal attempts would suffer all that much. So I I almost feel like you could just take his season and almost, almost, I'll say for the third time, mirror it over into next year. Maybe 21.1 shots per game. Maybe that comes down to like 20.7. But we're really splitting hairs. And maybe a healthy Time Lord, if in fact he is that, and a healthy Kristaps Porzingis, which, you know, however many games you get out of him. Maybe that makes it a little tougher for Tatum to get nine rebounds per game. He led the team in rebounding this last year. They got bigger. So I would say Tatum probably a microscopic step back. If you say he was number 11 per game this season, maybe you're looking at like number 14 next year. But by totals, once again, he has a very real shot to get into the middle of that first round because... He plays through stuff. And if you want to make the argument, oh, well, they got to keep him healthy for the playoffs. He was healthy for the playoffs. Turned an ankle in that last ball game. Probably would have tried to play through that if the playoffs kept going. Second highest ranked player on the Celtics was Jalen Brown. He was number 47 this year. 26 and a half points per game. Seven boards, three and a half assists, a steal, half a block, two and a half three-pointers. 49-76 and a half for the splits. I I mean, you can probably make the same argument with Jalen Brown that you make with, with Jason Tatum, which is Porzingis comes in. If, in fact, there is any impact on the top guys, it's probably half a shot per game. In my mind, Al Horford, his shots go down. Uh, Time Lord, his stuff goes down. Fringier guys, you know, uh, Blake Griffin doesn't get to, I don't even know if he's on contract next year, but he doesn't get to play anymore. Luke Cornett doesn't get to play anymore. You could kind of cobble together Porzingis's 14 whatever shots per game from other guys, but you probably do have to take half to one each from the stars. And for Jalen Brown, that's notable because his value is heavily in his scoring. His two best categories were points and threes. Yeah, he did other stuff. He's not a a two-trick pony. So, yeah, okay, the steals can kind of help a little bit. And the seven rebounds is pretty good from a a small forward. But again, Celtics got bigger. So rebounds for guys that are not center or power forward on the team are going to become a little bit harder to come by. Shots are going to be a little bit harder to come by because, again, Marcus Smart was only taking 10 And Porzingis is probably going to take more than that. 
And like, yeah, uh, again, you could take two from Orford and one from Time Lord and blah, blah, blah. But it, it's, it's, it's not quite so linear. So take Jalen Brown and turn him back into a Jalen Brown that's taking, what? What do we think? 19 shots per game instead of 20 plus? He was at 20 and a half this year, 20.6, which was way higher, by the way, than any previous season. Last year, he was at 18.4. A year before that, he was at 19.2. Who's to say that he doesn't just go back to that 19.2 from two seasons back? I think there's a very real chance of that. But guess what? He was still inside the top 50 that year. The league around him had a little bit of a tougher time. He had more defensive stats. He was at 1.8 that year instead of 1.5 this season. So, yes, that could cover it up a little bit. But you figure small erosion for Brown as well. If you say the number of shots goes down by about 1 to 1.5 or half to 1.5, somewhere in that neck of the woods, and if you don't assume that defensive stats cover that up in some way, then Brown drops from late 40s to probably late 50s, maybe even early 60s, and likely to be overdrafted because he's got ongoing knee stuff and it knocked him out for 15 games again this year, which put him right around league average in games played, but I don't see him blasting too far beyond that. We talked a bit about Porzingis when we covered the Wizards. He takes a hit, which is a damn shame because you guys know how much I've loved following the Porzingis thing. And frankly, when the trade went down, we talked a little bit about the Porzingis stuff, which is he got 16 shots a game in Washington. He's probably not getting 16 shots a game in Boston. He played 65 games in Washington. I don't know that he gets back to that number, but even if he does, 65 to 67 is basically a best-case scenario for Porzingis. The big question mark with him, because let's say 16 shots goes down to like 14 and a half. That doesn't completely derail his numbers. Yeah, it puts a dent into them because he was a positive impact guy in field goal and free throw. So removing volume from both of those is a negative in each and points and threes. That's all a negative volume. But maybe the blocks go up a little bit. Hard to know. Probably not. Let's just say he takes a step back, too. But he was number 13 on a per-game basis. He would have drafted, like, near 45. So there was a lot of wiggle room there. The issue with Porzingis coming into this season is he's probably not going to get drafted at 45 again after finally having a monster year, and we kind of cashed in on it. That was like pushing all of our chips into the middle one time. And it worked, but you can't just go back to the well on stuff without assessing the situation around it. He's now on, again, I think I said these exact words uh, earlier this week or last week. He's now on a marquee franchise. He's going to get buzz. The question is how much? Does he get drafted in the second round now? Because that would be foolish based on his injury history. My guess as of June the 30th is that Porzingis, who was getting drafted in the mid to late 40s last year, probably goes in the mid 30s this year or early 30s. Like, Frankly, the 30s is probably the best way to put it. I think he probably goes between 30 and 39. And that's kind of a big window, because if he's going near 39, I'd probably still draft him. But if he's going near 30, I don't know that I would. 
So we move through all of the big names on Boston, and I can pretty much tell you no. Now with Porzingis in town, I am not touching Al Horford. He was an old man squad captain for a long, long time, but that time is likely done. He was still number 64, by the way, on a per-game basis this last year, but he ain't getting 30 minutes a game with Porzingis in town. It's just not happening. Especially if Time Lord can survive part of a season. By the way, if you're wondering, are these guys all signed for this coming year? Yep. Boston basically had nobody come off salary for this coming season. The whole team is basically back. Tatum is back for a while. Jalen Brown is due for a raise after this year. Horford's got two more. Brogdon's got two more. And again, they might trade him. Derek White, two more. Time Lord, three more. Grant Williams might be elsewhere. He's a... I think he's a restricted free agent. Did they non I don't remember what happened with him. I know there's a lot of suitors for Grant Williams. But yeah, basically everybody's around. So... Especially when you consider the fact that Brogdon remains on the trade block. The guy that's going to get a ton of buzz leading into fantasy drafts and deserves it is Derek White. Because he was awesome during the playoffs and everybody got to see it. On top of all of that, how many games did White play in in this season? All 82. He didn't miss a damn game. And largely as a reserve, he did slot into the starting lineup when Smart missed a game, and Marcus did miss 20, so it wasn't like it was nothing. And Jalen Brown missed a game. He got an extra start. So Derek White, starting roughly about a third of this season, was number 37 by totals, number 86 on a per-game basis, in 28 minutes per ballgame. Lock him in as a full-time starter. And the way the team's made up right now, he's their starting point guard. Starting lineup for the Celtics, if you're staring at the team right this second, is probably Derek White, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Kristaps Porzingis, and either Horford or Time Lord. Probably. The only other option would be starting Brogdon also and going smaller, pushing Porzingis up to the five. But I think if Brogdon's still on the team, I think they prefer bringing him off the bench for a little second unit scoring sock. And as the team is currently constructed, taking minutes away from Horford, away from Robert Williams, and possibly Grant Williams as well, Derek White is probably going to be playing 32-33 minutes a night. Just drop him into Marcus Smart's minutes if you like. He's more comfortable now. He flexed a fantasy game that we had all seen snippets of in San Antonio. And even without the usage, because it's going to be hard to get a bunch behind Tatum Brown and Porzingis. White only took 9.2 shots per game this year. I don't need him to take more shots. I want him out on the floor more because that's more steals more blocks. He was one of, I think he might have been the best shot-blocking guard in the NBA this last season. Percentages are generally a positive for him, so get him out there a little bit more. That'll be useful. And even if there isn't a ton of usage there, if you just slot him into the Marcus Smart stuff, he goes from 9 to 10 shots per game. That's good enough for me. 
Anything beyond that, great. I mean, I'll take it, but, like, you probably don't need it. <laughs> it's gravy. It's gravy at that point. It's also worth pointing out, if you want to try to figure out, oh, well, okay, do we have a sample size that can get us a little bit of a tighter look at Derek White in a slightly larger role? The answer is, yep. Because the second half of this season, when a lot of guys were missing games, Smart missed a bunch in there, and White kind of played his way into a bigger role, he averaged 30 minutes a game. And he was number 65. 15, 4, and 4.5. And that, by the way, was with lower than expected defensive stats over that stretch. 11 shots per game, by the way, was what he got over that haul. If we get Derek White to 11 shots per game this coming season, and he's playing like 32 minutes a night for the Celtics, it almost feels like an easy top 65. Because the blocks, the blocks alone from a guard position are probably going to carry him, and you'll likely see more assists with no Marcus Smart around. He's going to have to do more ball handling and orchestration. Even a small percentage is useful. But I think a lot of analysts are going to say this same stuff about Derek White. Where on this podcast can we create any kind of separation in our analysis? I don't know, because I don't listen to every other show out there. I unfortunately have almost no time at all in my, in my personal life, chasing youths around all the time. But what I think we can look at, even just for a second here, is, is Derek White's hype going to match the production? I'm inclined to lean towards calling him one of those guys where there's a decent amount of hype and maybe still not enough. There's always like two of those guys every year. There's a truckload of guys that have hype. Those are the guys that create the old man pocket we've talked about in this podcast a million times. Basically that group from pick 25 to 50 where like 15 of those 25 guys in there are uh, players that everybody wants to take the leap forward, but only a few of them actually do. But then there's that group after the top 50. I don't think Derek White gets drafted inside the top 50 this year. That would surprise the living hell out of me. He probably gets drafted somewhere between 50 and 80, which is, again, a, a big window. But that's that area we've talked about as... If you know somebody has a really good outlook, remember we talked about checking the boxes on this podcast? That was back in late May, I think, I want to say. Box number one was, are they going to get the minutes? Box number two was, are they going to have usage? And box number three was, do they have good fantasy game? And if you could check two of those three boxes of guys being drafted in the 50 through 80 range, those are the guys that usually excel and White has two of those for sure, it seems like. At least right now, you know, Boston could still do some other stuff. Probably bring in a free agent guard, if I had to guess. But that guy would probably be a backup. And then usage, that box, if you check the usage box on White, which, again, I don't think you can, but 
if there's even like a 20% chance that he gets up to 11 shots instead of 10, you're talking about a guy that could push top 50 or better. Because his fantasy game is pretty sweet. I'm not a huge Malcolm Brogdon guy. Um, I know he was good down the stretch for the Celtics this year, but a lot of that was relying on uh, a much better field goal percent. He tends to hover back in that 100 range. We know that they're worried about his health and trying to get something for him. That worries me a little bit. He always misses time on top of everything else. Bench Gunner's a good role for him, but, you know, again, just kind of looking at the entire season for Brogdon, he was number 110, and that kind of felt like the right area for him. So if you want to take him in that 110, that's fine. You can get some scoring late, and maybe he gets moved to a team where his role is larger, so perhaps you're drafting with the trade upside built in. I doubt he goes to a place where his role is smaller like, he probably doesn't go to a team where he's the fifth option. He probably goes to a team where he's the, I don't know, second, third, or fourth. So even that, just to, even going from like a fifth to a fourth option makes him useful, or fourth to third, or whatever you want to call it. That would improve the outlook. Marcus Smart being gone might even improve the outlook a tiny bit, although I do think that Porzingis coming in counterbalances whatever a guy like Brogdon would get, because you're like, Dan! You just talked about how there's more guard minutes available now with Marcus Smart gone. Yes, that's true, but Derek White's not a guy who needs the usage box checked to hit value. Brogdon probably gets minutes. Fantasy game is a little meh when he's not the primary guy. In Indiana, he was the primary, so you got assists, which he didn't really get in Boston. That's a big deal. That's a big difference maker. So then you're just talking about, could we check the usage box? And the fact that that's kind of 50-50 with him, that's a guy that I don't think I would grab in that next group. But the one after that, the like 85 to 115, yeah, okay, fine. I'd still go upside hunting. I don't think there's any with Brogdon, but I get it. If it fits a build. Not my cup of tea. Not my cup of tea. My cup of tea is Derek White. But how hot is the tea? There we go. How about that for a sweet metaphor? If the tea is too hot, if the ADP is too high, sometimes you just got to let it cool and wait for another opportunity to do it. But if the tea is just right, if Derek White's getting drafted in that 65-70 range, 80's probably the floor. You create a lot of opportunity to beat that number. I mean, really, what if Porzingis goes down for 25 games? Derek White is going to pick up stuff. What if Jalen Brown misses 15 games? What if, heaven forbid, Jason Tatum finally misses more than, like, two games in a row? Derek White, a lot of avenues for him to get more than the start-of-the-year expectation. Also, he might not play 82 games. In fact, he probably won't. But he certainly proved himself, and now we just got to find out how high the ADP is going to go. And we'll put a pin in this thing for now because, again, I want to save strength for our afternoon show. That was the Boston Celtics recap. I am Dan Bespers for Fantasy NBA Today. Check out our NFL draft guide and our all-sport fantasy pass on sale for a limited time for just $7 a month. It's going up to 10 in July, which starts tomorrow. I don't know which day it's going to be in July, but it's going to be soon. 
Free agency, just a few hours away. We'll talk to you guys most likely after that starts. I'm Dan Bespris. Later for now.